When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, you feel alone, and sometimes you feel like the pain will never go away. I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life filled with meaning and purpose. That's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. People tell me they come here for the positivity. They listen to Widow 180, the podcast, to be inspired. They come to Widow 180 to be reminded that they have options, that the pain of loss is not a life sentence. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. When you become a widow, the heartache can be overwhelming. You feel lost, you feel broken, and sometimes you just feel like the pain will never go away. But I believe that every widow has the capacity to endure, the power to overcome, and the determination to create a new life with meaning and purpose. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Widow 180. Widow 180 is about turning tragedy, loss, and fear into strength, creativity, and a new passion for life. My mission each week is to arm you with these powerful stories of transformation and knowledge so that you can navigate life after loss. I'm Jen Zwink. I'm so glad you're listening. Let's get to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm always so thankful that you guys show up each and every week to listen. And this week we have the lovely Liz Hall, who is going to share her incredible story of finding love again after loss. And it's one of my favorite subjects ever. So Liz, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I'm super excited and thank you for having me. Yes. So let's first get started with um, what happened to Brian and, and how did you become a widow? Sure. So um, Brian and I were high school sweethearts. We met when we were 17, 18 in high school. We went to college together, moved all over the country for his job. And we finally landed in Texas. And that was going to be our forever home um, based on where his company was. And Life was great. We live in an awesome neighborhood, great neighbors, great schools for the kids, and everything was peachy, so to say. Um, And then one day on March 8th, 2019, he went to CrossFit like he did every other day, usually at five o'clock in the morning, Um, but it was the CrossFit Games. So he went at night for a CrossFit workout, did a full, I don't even know, whatever, a full workout where, you know, he lifted heavy things, as I would say, and came home, um, made dinner, sat on the couch, took a shower too, and then said to me, I don't feel well. And I was like, like, you don't feel well, like you're sick or what's going on. And I could just tell by the look on his face that it just, he was worried and it it wasn't good. Um, And so fast forward, um, I ended up running to my neighbor's house who I hardly knew at the time you know, banging on our door, asking for help. And we decided to call the ambulance and he walked himself to the ambulance. He was, you know, joking with the paramedics, like I'm the guy you need. I'm standing here on the corner waiting for you. Um, They got into the hospital. They pretty much assured me the entire time. I mean, as much as they could that, you know, he's young and 
he was having a textbook heart attack, as they called it. And he's young and strong. And we're going to go to the cath lab. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then in about 45 minutes, you'll need him in the ICU for recovery. And, you know, they sent him on his way. And unfortunately, it did not happen that way. And two hours later, I became a widow. Oh, my God. So he walked himself. I mean, he was he was not feeling well, but he was still well enough, like joking around. He just, he knew it was serious enough to go to the hospital, but he was just, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. God. At one point I remember he was in the back of the ambulance and they were running an EKG and all of that on him in the ambulance. And I, they wouldn't let me, I don't think they would let me go in the ambulance. I don't quite remember. Uh, but either way, my neighbor was going to drive me. Uh, Cause I had to figure out what to do with my girls and all of that. So, but I remember poking my head back in the ambulance and I'm like, are you okay? And he was like, do you think I'm okay? He's like, I'm fine. Like, so just, you know, totally. Just, yeah. If you knew Brian, it was just Brian. He was like, I got this, whatever. Yeah. Um, and he went on his way. So. Oh my God. Okay. Um. So that was. March, you said March 8th, 8, 8, 2019. Okay. So you were in the hospital. You told me that they did take you back at one point, right? Yeah. So, okay. and I, I'm not, I've never done this before, obviously. So I'm not quite sure why they did. However, yeah. I would assume it was so that they could show me that they were doing everything they could do and that I could still see him while he was still technically alive. Um, so they brought me back there and, you know, there was a team of people working on him and, um, you know, I was able to talk to him and pray with him and, and really just, you know, try to, to get him through this. Um, and I, I mean, I could have stayed in longer, but then I had had enough and I said, you people need to do your job. I'm getting out of your way, um, and let them do what they could do. Yes. And you said your neighbor was with you in there too. You took your neighbor yeah. in there cause you yeah. needed some moral support, huh? It was my truth. Terrifying. Yeah. I thankfully right before we left for the hospital, I, I I've had anxiety my whole life or at least since college. So I was smart enough to take a Xanax before I left for the hospital. So I was somewhat calm or calm enough. Um, but I was also in shock. I mean, you don't expect any of this. And, um, I had a couple of other friends and neighbors that showed up and they kind of all supported me, you know, while we were waiting to see what happened. And, just went through all the motions with me and I am beyond thankful because I can't imagine doing any of that by myself. No, no. Oh my gosh. Thank God they were there. And we have no family in the area. So it was, you know, it was relying on people that you have, well, that, that I have now made my family, um, you know, extensions of my family. So it was terrifying to say the least. Yes. Where, where is your family? So all, both of our families are in Buffalo, New York. Um, my dad, yeah, my dad at the time was in Florida uh, for the winter and his parents were in New York. So. Oh, not anywhere close. Nope. Not no. at all. No. But they all got here the next day, <laughs> but still. <laughs> right. Right. Um, <clears throat> so how old was Brian? He was 36 at the time. Oh my God. And then your girls, how old were your girls? So Eva was seven and Emily was two. And Eva thankfully was at a neighbor's house. 
So I called the mom and said, you just need to keep her for now. Um, and Emily was sound asleep in bed. So they didn't see him. They saw him in the morning. Um, Eva had a uh, award ceremony at school that morning. So he was able to go to the award ceremony and he you know, gave her a high five goodbye. And um, that was the last time that she saw him. Oh God. Okay. So you get home from the hospital and you had to tell them. How did, so, you, yeah, Emily, how did you tell them? Emily was still sleeping. I didn't, I mean, she was too. She doesn't get it. Right. Um, Eva was, so my neighbor that I took to the hospital with me, her husband came over to the house and watched Eva until I got home. And she woke up because we had just told her that dad hurt himself at the gym and that we were going to the hospital. Um, so when she, when I got home, I was like, I have to tell her, like, I'm not going to go to bed and then wake up in the morning and tell her. Um, and thankfully my neighbors, they were like, do you want us to leave? And I was like, absolutely not. You are staying put. Um, so, you know, I have totally engulfed them into this entire situation with me. But, um, so we sat there and we told her, and then, um, I I think her and I might've went to my bed and tried to sleep, but it's all a big blur and I didn't sleep either. So, yeah. Um, so let's go back. You had, uh, like I said, gone to back into the operating room so that you could see what they were doing. And so you had definitely suffered some PTSD from that. Oh, absolutely. Um, between yeah. that and then reading the medical records well after the fact, um, definitely it's, it's one of those things like my mom passed away six years ago and I got the call about her while I was on my way home to Buffalo to get to her. And I was always grateful that I wasn't there at the very end, which to me sounds so backwards, but I just, it just wasn't something I, not the way I wanted to remember things, I guess. Um, But with Brian, I've kind of now, after the fact, you know, working through it, have realized that yes, well, it has caused PTSD. And while it's not exactly the way I wanted to remember it, I would have kicked myself forever had I not went and stepped foot back in that OR. Okay. Okay. I know. It's like, what, what, what's better, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in that situation, really, what is, what's better? Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck either way, but. Either way. Um, so. so did you go to therapy right away or did you yeah, I, yeah. a little bit? I mean, it had to have been within the first couple of months, I would say. Um, and then I went through the, the basic trial and error of trying to find the right therapist for the situation. The first one I went to, I remember her, she was also a widow, I believe. Um, yeah, she was, she was a widow and she was very much, you know, the, the real generic of don't move on too fast. Don't do anything big for a year. Don't do this. Um, and at the time I had already, started talking to Dave and she was very much like, mm, I don't know about this. And it was just like, this is not the right fit. Um, so I moved on to the next one and the next one. And now I finally have found one that is a good fit. Um, and that I can feel myself actually progressing, uh, week to week when I go versus just staying at idle. Yes. And you tried EMDR. So it's supposed to be really good for PTSD. What did you think about that? So EMDR, I go back and forth with, um, there are plenty of times where I do it and I'm like, this is like hocus pocus. This is, I don't understand how this is going to help me. This is, this is crazy. Um, but I mean, 
it does work to an extent of me, at least from what I've experienced and what I've read about as well. Um, I know I, I did focus a lot on EMDR with dreams because I was having dreams about Brian and basically a bad dream would ruin my day or week. So I, as much as I want to see him in my dreams, I want to be able to get through the day as well. Uh, so we did some EMDR with the dreams and the dreams did definitely slow down. And now they're just, you know, once every once in a while they'll pop up. Um, but so it had to have worked. Yeah. Wait, let's talk about your dreams. Let's talk about that. Yes. (laughs) So what, Uh, what happens in your dreams? Like when you dream about Brian? Sure. So I've had a, a, you know, a variety, but the majority of dreams are usually he comes back and he's there no matter what the situation is, but he's there, but not there. He's there and he is just mean. Um, We'll keep it at that. He's definitely, he's mean. He's arrogant. He's just very standoffish. um, Almost like whatever happened is my fault. Um, And there's a lot of times where within the dreams, I'll be like begging him to just, just talk to your girls. The girls miss you. Just pick up the phone. A lot of me leaving messages on cell phones. Uh, or being at like an event or whatever, and he's way over on one side and I'm on the other side and he refuses to make eye contact. Um, so definitely not confrontational, but definitely there in a very, very arrogant way. Um, yes. And obviously waking up the next morning, it's like, ah, like that's I not the way I want to talk to you and remember you and see you. I told you, like I had the same type of dream every time and I did not dream that often about Brent, which also very much upset me because I was like, why am I not dreaming about him every single night? But when I did have those dreams, like few and far between, it was like, we were at a party together, not together. We were at the same party and he was like standing on the other side of the room, but talking to some other people and I'm over here and I'm trying to like get his attention or look at him or something. He's not even looking at me. It's like, he knows that I'm there, but he's not even giving me any kind of attention. And he's just totally ignoring me. Those were my dreams. Like how annoying is that? Like he's not (laughs) interacting with me at all. Um, Same thing. I had some dreams about like calling his phone and it would be like his his brother would answer or something. And I'd be like, just put him on the phone. I just need to talk to, I just please put him on the phone. And he'd be like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to you. Like those were my dreams. Yeah. Frustrating. Yeah. And the frustrating part for me too, was my neighbors who, like I said, have become family. They were all having dreams where he was being nice and he was (laughs) doing all sorts of nice stuff. And I'd be like, no, why is he so mean to me? Like I didn't do anything wrong. Yes. So the EMDR helped with that, sort of. It did. It did. And we're still doing EMDR. Um, The latest stuff I've been working on is going back and, for example, taking the vision of the OR and working on EMDR that way. Um, I have a whole list of things that I've come up with that are kind of, I guess, trigger points, maybe. Yeah. Triggering thoughts and feelings. So we're going to break down EMDR with each of those. And okay. So. I just wonder if anybody else that is listening right now has those kind of dreams or if anybody can interpret that dream, like, please make me feel better because it's so annoying, but it's good to know that you're thinking you're dreaming the same thing. You're having the same kind of dream as I did. 
Yeah, so and more frustrating. The more often they occur, then I'm just like, all right, cut it out, Brian. Like, I get it. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Enough already. Yeah. Oh. So tell us about Dave. Let's get into that story. How did you guys meet? I would like to invite you to get our latest freebie designed just for you. How to get your life back together after loss. A 10-step checklist. After countless hours of research, interviewing hundreds of widows, and through my own experience with grief, I have compiled this list of the 10 steps you need to take to put your life back together after losing a loved one. It's normal to feel overwhelmed and also normal to not know where to start when it comes to picking up the pieces of your shattered world. Here's where you start. You can get this free 10-step checklist at www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. Sure. So, um, like I said, I live in an awesome neighborhood that has lots of community events and things like that. And I was unaware of Dave's story. I live two to three streets away from him and kind of kept to myself like when when it was Brian and I and you know we had a bunch of our work friends that we didn't really venture out into the community so I was unaware of his story um where the rest of the community was pretty aware of his story uh, so anyways my neighbor found out about his story and was like you guys need to meet so long story short his story is that his wife um dealt with or battled uh stage four breast cancer for four to five years and they had a little daughter and lived around the corner, like I said, and she passed away a month and a half before Brian did um, after her, you know, really courageous battle. And all that I knew was that Dave lived around the corner and that he had a little daughter and my one neighbor was just determined for us to meet, not romantically, but just to understand each other. You know, we're, we're in the same place and it would be a great, you know, way for us to, to, to heal, I guess. Yes. Uh, so we went to a one of the events that the neighborhood was having, and I wasn't even thinking. I was with a bunch of my of Brian's work friends actually, and I, you know, I did the whole Google stalking before, like I need, I want to know more about this man before I, you know, say anything to him. And there was nothing. He's like not on social media, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> moving on. So, anyways, we went to this thing, and I and I saw him there, and I was like, oh, that's him. Okay, whatever. And Amanda, my neighbor was like, all right, so let's just go say hi. And I was like, so, you know, version 1.0 Liz or chapter one Liz, whatever you want to call her, very shy, like not willing to just jump into a crowd of people and, and, you know, talk at all, um, especially strangers. So anyways, he's standing there with a bunch of boobs. A lot of the ladies in the neighborhood really um, took him in and they were, you know, really protective of him and, and his daughter and wanting to make sure that, you know, he was okay. And so they were all chatting with him and we went over and we said hi. And then there was just really awkward silence. And I don't know what came over me, but for whatever reason, I walked right up to him and like put my hand on his shoulder. And I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know that my husband just passed away. And I know that your wife just passed away. And if you ever need anything, I know you have a daughter. I, you know, I'm more than willing to help you. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, if you ever need anything and he also is very um, shy is not the right word, but very unlike him. He actually put his hand on my shoulder and just, you know, felt that 
yeah. we would be good to, to chat with each other. And, and I joke, he was all business in the beginning. So he, he had been working with the hospital that his wife was at with the child life specialist to really prepare his daughter for the passing of her mom. So he had a lot of resources already researched and ready to go. Right. He had said that he's like, you know, give me your number and I will send you over all of the resources I have, you know, later today. And I said, okay, great. So I gave him my number and then he texted me right away. And then long story short, we just kept texting and talking and um, eventually went out to lunch and it's been seamless ever since, you know, very organic. I guess that's the right word. Definitely yes. organic, seamless. And it, it, yeah, it's just good. So this was in May. Like, yes. So Brian passed away in March and then this yes. was just two months later when you met him at that event. Yes. So it was two months later and um, yeah, it, it wasn't romantic at first by any means, but um there, so one fun story that I like to tell is that um, when, you know, Brian and I were married for 12 years together since high school and every once in a while when he would have his little woe is me moments or, you know, whatever would happen, he would say to me, you know, if anything ever happens to me, you're going to find somebody in two months and you're going to be happier than ever. And I would whack him and be like, stop it. Like I am not, like, first of all, nothing's going to happen to you. And second of all, that is not me. I would not do that. You know, cause I wanted to be I, never actually, I honestly never dreamed I would have done that anyway. And right. being respectful, <laughs> you would not say that to your husband. Like, yeah, sure. I'm going <laughs> to. Right. Cause it's but, joking. He's just yeah. joking, but yeah. So I, he also used to say too, I'm going to die before I'm 40 of a heart attack. And I would be like, stop it. What? Like do not say these things. Yes. Yes. And he, he didn't like stress, like stress was not his friend. So when he got really stressed out, like that's what he would say. Um, oh yeah, so my God. I would find somebody within two months and I would whack him. And then sure enough, I met Dave two months to the date that Brian died. And I'm not totally into signs or, you know, I certainly wants to believe things like that. But when that happened and I finally connected all the dots, I was like, whoa, this is Bri telling me this yeah. is okay. Um, and I joke too that, you know, when, when, um, Bri was in the hospital and when, then when Bri died that him and my mom were probably like, Oh crap. Like what, what just happened? My mom probably smacked him. Like you weren't supposed to do this. And then, you know, what we, we got to help her. And then they dropped Dave, you know, into my life. So um, really yeah. like yeah. <clears throat> he steps in two months later that's so you had this lunch with him, um, that first lunch. And at that point, like, when did you think, okay, this might be more than just let's exchange some resource information. Like, when did you kind of think, Hey, this guy yeah. is pretty cute. And <laughs> I don't know. Not really cute. Like it was, this, he's a firefighter and it, yeah. Anyways, but um, yeah, I don't have an exact date for that, but it was very organic in the sense that it was easy. And the other thing that was very eye-opening to me is, like I said, I have anxiety and I went out to lunch with him with no panic, with no stress, like restaurants 
being stuck in a restaurant usually causes me anxiety or, you know, have, and I even let him pick me up and take me. So like, I basically got into a car with a complete stranger, yeah. drove to a restaurant, had lunch and had no anxiety whatsoever. Um, so that was wow. definitely for me. And I think it, it just over the weeks and months of the, the constant texting back and forth and just having that person to, to talk to at night. And um, it, it just, it was, so seamless and it organically developed into, I know I keep saying the same words, but it, it really was, you know, overnight or not overnight, but over, over the, you know, weeks and months it developed into. So I have a question, like when you would call him at night, were you calling him and saying like, I really miss Brian and like crying like that? Like it was uh, like those kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was texting more than calling. Um, there so yeah so the the awesome thing about being with a widow so a widow and a widow is yeah. that widower i mean i guess if you want to be politically correct but um there there really has been there is no judgment there is no jealousy there is no none of that so i can very easily say i miss my husband and yeah. you know i miss my wife and I mean, we were on different even though um, his wife had passed away a month and a half before because she was sick for so long, there was a lot of grieving that had already occurred in his world. So we were definitely on different paths in terms of, I was still in shock. I was still, I mean, I, my life changed in two hours um, where he had had some time and had been in counseling and and whatnot throughout her entire process. Uh, But that was good because he had a different perspective and he almost knew what was coming next in my world and what I was going to experience. Um, and so that was, even to this day, I mean, we will sit down and, and he almost makes me sit in my grief and and makes me feel things and encourages me to cry it out and, and really talk to him and tell him things. And if I don't want to talk, just, you know, holding me and, and, and being there for me during any, you know, good times, bad times. Yeah. Yes. Um, a lot of widows do struggle with feeling guilty too. Did that, did that ever happen for you? So I don't think so. I mean, like, like, no, like I'm not guilty. However, yeah. during the dreams, sometimes during the dreams, if he wasn't being a jerk in the dreams, he was coming back to me. Like he went away for a very, very long time and then just showed back up and then just expected our relationship to continue but I had already moved forward with somebody else, Dave, because he was gone for so long. And then I was put in this, you know, this issue of, of what do I do? You know, and now I have to break it to him. So I don't know if that was my mind being guilty to some extent, but in real life, I yeah. do not, I don't feel any guilt. I feel, um, I feel very, very grateful to, to have found Dave and, I know that Brian would want me to move forward and find, you know, a good father figure for his daughters and would want me to be as happy as can be. So there's really no guilt. And I'm so appreciative of that. And, and even I know that a lot of people struggle when somebody dies, that they're guilty in the sense of like, was there more I could have done? And, you know, what did I miss? And I don't have any of that. I, which is, oh. I'm so thankful. For. Thankful. Yes. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, uh, you know, we had talked about earlier 
about the signs and believing in that kind of stuff. And well, the fact that the fact that Brian told you, you're going to meet somebody two months after. So again, that kind of helps with the whole guilt aspect too, because then you have that in the back of your mind, you're like, well, he, he said this was going to (laughs) happen. Absolutely. He's, he's got some, some hand in this, you know, like, it's just funny. Um, does Dave believe in that kind of stuff too? Like, so not, not when I first met him and he's very science-based as he'll say, and not religious or anything like that. Um, but there was a part of him now that this has all just fallen into place that he's, he's got a little inkling out there for, this is just a little too too weird. (laughs) And then we tell everyone, what is Dave's last name? So Dave's last name is divine. And so it's divine intervention, which is just, (laughs) you can't make it up. I joke all the time that my life needs to be a Hollywood movie between everything that has happened. And yeah, it's not coincidence. It's not, it can't be. Um, do you get, do you get any other signs, uh, from Brian? Um, No, like, well, like, do you talk with the girls about different, I don't know. Some people have like, you know, butterflies and then they talk to the kids about the butterflies and they have different signs for things. And do you guys have anything like that? We haven't fully yet. Um, when my mom passed away, it was rainbows. Okay. And so every time we see a rainbow, Eva more, uh, Emily never met my mom, but Eva's always like, Oh, it's Nani. She's saying hi. Yeah. Um, Brian had a thing for not long story, but blue whales, big, big blue whales, okay. not the animal. It was an inside joke, but, uh, so they've both taken to liking of whales. So they have stuffed whales in their beds and oh, that's good. things like that. And then I'm trying to think, I feel like there's one more, but I can't think of it right now, but um, no major signs. Uh, I know like my mother-in-law was on the feathers for a while and if a feather shows up and things like that, um, I haven't, and, and there's a part of me that wants more signs, but yeah. I'm also really grateful for what I have right now. And yes. So. so tell me, when did you end up telling your family and your friends about Dave? So I, my immediate family, like my dad, um, he met Dave, my dad pretty much left Florida in March when Bri died and then came and moved in with me until probably July-ish, I would okay. say. Okay. Um, he went to New York back and forth a couple of times. Sorry, the dog. So my dad was here um, and met Dave right away uh, because I wasn't about to hide anything, um, which is another thing that's shocking for me because old version one, Liz, whatever, she would definitely hide things and just keep to myself. Um, so he met him right away. My aunt was here, so she met him right away. Um, and then I met Dave's mom um, pretty shortly after as well. Um, rest of my family and friends and stuff, I, I started to trinkle it in, um, just, you know, that I met a widow in the neighborhood. And it's it's really nice to have somebody that understands me and understands what I'm going through and just kept it really, you know, surface level um, until probably more until it was closer than when Dave moved in um, with me that then I obviously had to, you know, yeah. tell more people. And it wasn't that, you know, the majority of it was I, you know, th- there's always the judgment that comes along with, with things. And 
I didn't want to have to deal with the judgment. Um, yeah. Whether it was going to be there or not, I just assumed it was going to be there. And so I just kept it to myself and, and trusted my own process. Brian always used to say that, you know, who cares what other people think? You do you. And so I just did me and, and told myself that, you know, if people love me, they will trust me and they will um, want what's best for me. Yes. And that's good to have that little voice again in the back of your head. Like here, he's giving you a little bit of encouragement from yeah. like you do you and don't worry about what other people think. And a lot of times it is that just perceived judgment that we think, we think all of these people have these mm-hmm. expectations of us yeah. and yet 90% of the time they want you to be happy, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it is, it's, it's hard though. I, I. I kind of went through the same thing with like when I first started dating, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to tell anybody. Not that I thought that I just didn't want to have anybody asking about that aspect of my life. Not so sure if they were really going to judge it, but I was just like, I just want to keep this part of me private. You know, I don't know, but yeah, well, I did for his, I did for his family though. I was like, I don't want to say anything until I know for sure. It wasn't until I was engaged. And then I was like, okay, I think I need to tell them now. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of the same way. Um, out of respect for everybody else. Cause I know I lost my husband, but they lost their, their son, their friend, you know, whatever the case might be. And I didn't want to just come off as this, like, that I didn't care about Brian and that I can so easily move on. There is nothing easy about this. I still struggle every single day, even as happy as I am right now. I am on the struggle bus often. Yeah, I know. I know it's, it's, it's like, uh, you just don't want to, I don't know. You don't want to have that judgment, but a lot of times it's just not even there. (laughs) Um, so did you, think that when you, when you guys first got together, were you thinking that marriage was important to you again? Or was, um, that, was that just kind of something like, eh, that could, I could take it or leave it? Yeah, no, I, I think I grew up in the environment where you get married. Um, there was no divorce in my family or anything like that. So uh, marriage was definitely still in my head. Um, I, I, at the time, couldn't dream about walking down the aisle again or anything like that. But I knew that I wasn't just going to, there, there would be marriage to some extent um, in the future. Yeah. When did he move in? Um, so since he's a firefighter, he's gone certain days of the week and, and back other days of the week. And his in-laws were helping out and still do um, with his daughter. Uh, but they had some vacations and things scheduled. So I had to jump in and, and I offered to, you know, have her stay with me so he could still go to work. Um, he had a lot of, he didn't have a lot of time off because he took so much time off. Uh, so it kind of slowly happened to, you know, she stayed with me for a couple of weeks on and off. And then it just got to the point where if he was home, we wanted, I wanted to be at his house or he wanted to be at my house anyway. And we were right around the corner from each other. So we just slowly pushed things forward. Um, I waited until I met, or I I made sure that, you know, my girls were comfortable and that um, I could tell that this was a 
a good fit and that everybody was comfortable and at ease. And once again, it was just a very seamless process. How old is his little girl uh, compare in comparison to your girls? Right now she's seven. So we have five, seven and 10. Oh, okay. If it's right in the middle, right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And everybody gets along really well. I mean, as much as they can. Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, they fight like siblings. So it's, it's yeah. great. It's normal. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome for her because she went from being an only child to, you know, having two sisters to play with. And, um, you know, there's always something for them to do and somebody to play with. So it's, it's yes. awesome. Yeah. Well, this uh, connection that you had with Dave right away and you, you said it was it was seamless and widows are when you think when a lot of widows think about dating again, that's the first thing that they think of. They want to be with a widower because again, you can, they can empathize and you feel the same. You know exactly what they're feeling. How do you guys handle those important milestone dates in your house? Like the anniversary of their death, or is it something like you guys celebrate their birthdays or, you know, how do you handle those days? Yeah. So Dave and I are different in that regard where I've always celebrated. So after my mom passed away every year on her birthday, we eat red velvet cake and I go shopping because that's what she liked to do. Um, so I've carried on the same tradition to an extent. Um, I haven't really celebrated Bri's birthday yet, so to say, because it's so close to the date that he died that it's just, that it's just a double whammy there. Um, but, um, uh, St. Patrick's day. Okay. So we actually had his funeral on his birthday, which is. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we do celebrate where Dave is very quiet in that sense. Um, He, you know, keeps himself. It's not a, not that it's not a big deal, but it's not something that he's going to dwell on. Uh, But I, I have noticed that over time now, I mean, he's there for me. So if, if I'm going to celebrate, he's going to celebrate with me or on one of the anniversaries, he brought me flowers because he knew it was going to be a hard day. Um, and then for his wife's birthday, the first year, I don't think we did anything. The second year he was at work and I got a birthday cake and I had a, you know, a birthday cake with the girls and, and we celebrated. So, Aww, uh, okay. We're all, we're all about at least. Yeah. We're definitely all about just still celebrating them. There's, you know, there's no reason they're not out of our lives. Um, there's no bitterness or anything. There shouldn't be. Uh, so we definitely celebrate them, you know, pictures are still up on the walls. It's, it's, they're, they're part of our lives forever. Yes. So he's kind of like, does he want to be more alone on those, on some of those days on some of those times? And then, or are you like, let's do something together just to kind of get my mind off of it or it works like that. Like you just kind of go with what you feel. Yeah. I think we're still navigating that. Um, I definitely prefer not to be alone. Um, that's what I, I know about myself. Um, I think in certain regards, he, he could easily be alone and, and do just fine. Um, but there are also times where, you know, we'll do things together just because it's just awesome to have that support. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so amazing that you you guys found each other. You told me that you feel like you had, you have two lives. 
And I feel that way too. Like when you look back and you're like, God, I feel, I feel like that was, that was a completely different life for me. I was, you know, in that age group where it's like, we're starting to have kids and it's like this, I'm so into my career and all the things that were so important and priorities at that time in our lives. And then now after all of this experience, you have this whole other life. Yeah. And that, yeah. And Dave knows exactly how that feels, you know? Yeah. That's the incredible that's part. part. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I definitely, I mean, I grew, like I said, Brian and I were together since we were young. So I grew up with Brian, you know, I, I grew up with him. I grew old with him. Um, a lot of me was him. Like, you know, my idea was his idea. We, we found our way together, so to say. So to go from having that to then all of a sudden that's not in your life uh, is beyond scary. However, I feel like I said, I, I've already had one life and now I, I have a whole second life and a whole second chapter with new experiences. And you know, I'm doing, I haven't, I haven't fully changed. I'm still Liz and uh, you know, I still like the same stuff and do the same things, but I'm doing other things that I would have never have done before. And I'm hopeful that, there are other things in this life that I'm going to do that are just something that, you know, Bri would never expect. Um, like even as, as silly as this is, I, if you would have asked Brian, like if anything ever happened to me, he would say, Oh, Liz is going to move to Buffalo instantly. She's like, she's going to move back home. Yeah. There's no way she'll stay in Texas. We have no family there. And the fact that I stayed in Texas and this was before Dave, but you know, the fact that I decided to stay in Texas, like I'm proud of myself for that. And I, yes. I proud and, like go me. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, that would have been kind of the obvious thing, right? And yeah. here you are staying and there and sticking it yeah. out and you're just yeah, you're you're being independent, which is a weird feeling sometimes to have to like make all of these choices yeah. on your own. Like it's not where are we going to go now? What are we going to do? What's our plan? It's like what am I going to do? Yeah. One thing that I've learned too, is that I always used to tell Brian that he was my rock because he was, I mean, definitely my rock. But what I've learned now is that I am my own rock and that I am way stronger than I ever thought that I could ever be. Um, I I have my still, but yeah, definitely I am my own rock and I've done hard things, really hard things. Very hard things. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird feeling when you have so many choices, you know, (laughs) it's like you have this whole world now that you're like, well, it's just me and I can choose what what I'm going to do. Where am I going to live? What what are we going to do? Like you, that is sometimes overwhelming to think about as well, you know, (laughs) beyond overwhelming. So baby steps with that, (laughs) baby steps. But you said you're so grateful to have that opportunity. And I think that's a fantastic outlook and this whole, you know, positive outlook on, um, on this next chapter, you know? Yeah. I'm beyond grateful. I, I, I say oftentimes that I wish everybody could have a Dave. Um, and there are times where I feel guilty, especially when I read about other people losing their spouses and I just want them to have what I have. And I know that it's so rare it is so rare. <laughs> so rare. And yeah, so I, I wish it upon everybody. And 
or like want to make some like matchmaker service, like I will find you a widow. <laughs> I know, even then, I know it's not that easy. Obviously, it's not. Whatever no. you know, what we have is is rare. But it is possible. So that's, that's why. Really that's why yeah. I'm so glad that I had you on today. <laughs> I can show people. But I do, I think your story is so incredible and unique. And I love that you're this example of finding love again after loss. Like it's, it's so great. Um, when you don't think that it's ever going to happen for you, like that thought yeah. just is so far from your mind. Um, but it is possible. Yeah, definitely possible. And, you know, in the beginning there were thoughts like, you when you know when your spouse dies you get crazy thoughts and everything's just flying through your head and I remember thinking like oh my gosh I'm gonna have to move back to Buffalo and which of my friends are single who could I like and like create like why was I even thinking like that and you're just like pure panic mode of like okay well this person's still single so mate and I'm like ew no (laughs) and then I find because it was you know that fear of like not wanting to be by yourself and thinking Bri's my rock and I'm gonna need somebody and then we, you know, taking a deep breath and realizing that it's going to be okay. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen and you just got to go with it. So. And you're going to be okay. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Um, but all right, well, we're going <clears> to <throat> go ahead and get wrapped up, but, uh, Liz, thank you so much for sharing this incredible story with us. I think it's, it's divine intervention. <laughs> I feel like that is. If when we get married, that needs to be like our wedding hashtag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Divine intervention. <laughs> sure. Thank, you, Thank so you so much. much. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, you know, I, I definitely feel like it's healing and powerful me powerful for me to tell my story. And I love sharing it because I do hope that it brings hope to other people that are it does. it does. Thank you so much. All right. Thank I'll talk to you so. later. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, here are the takeaways from Liz. Number one, Liz's husband, Brian, passed away from an unknown heart condition at the age of 36. He had just gone to CrossFit and he came home and then said he wasn't feeling well. Their girls were seven and two years old. Number two, if you don't find the right therapist at first, try, try again. This is something I did not do, but Liz went through three therapists before she finally found the right fit. Number three, does anybody else have dreams where your husband is totally ignoring you? Like not making eye contact, very standoffish. This happened to both Liz and I, and if you are a dream interpreter, I would love to hear your thoughts about these types of dreams because it was so frustrating. Did anybody else have dreams like this? Let me know. Number four, Liz found love again in a neighbor named Dave who had lost his wife to breast cancer. Liz and Dave clicked right away and their relationship grew organically and seamlessly. Number five, Liz says that one of the best things about being with another widow or widower is that there's no judgment. There's no jealousy at all. So she can freely speak what's on her heart and mind. Number six, some great advice about dating. If you think others are judging you, really, who cares what other people think? 
Liz had that advice from her late husband in her head when she thought about judgment from other people. Number seven, for the big milestone dates in their house, they all acknowledge them together. Well, like I said, I just love Liz's story. And this is a subject that I could talk about for days and days. It's finding love again. I hope that Liz's story will serve as such a great example. It's just such a great example of hope and what's possible. And I, I want to help. I want to help you guys. Any widow who is thinking of dating again, but you find yourself stuck, you haven't even taken that first step because you've already talked yourself out of it. Or you just have no idea where to even start when it comes to dating because maybe it's been a while for you since you've been out on a first date. It's a new world and a new way of doing things and this world of modern dating has changed a lot. Anyway, I want to help. I want to help you guys. I am doing what I'm calling the Find Love Again Challenge. Starting Tuesday, September 28th, we are starting this three-day mini challenge to get you on the right track to have love in your life again. And I know that a lot of my listeners are newly widowed and the loss of their spouse is still very new and very fresh for them. And I just want to acknowledge you and still thank you, of course, for listening every week. This Find Love Again challenge is not for everyone, but for those of you listening, those widows or widowers who are feeling a little tug in your heart, or for those who are getting to that point where you can begin to imagine a new relationship, you just don't know how to get there and how to make it happen. This challenge is for you. I would love for you to join me. Go to widow180.com forward slash challenge to sign up. That's widow180.com forward slash challenge and mark your calendars for Tuesday, September 28th. We get started and I can't wait. I'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, so go sign up. I'll see you next week. And as always, believe in the possibilities. Thank you so much for listening to Widow 180, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you're seeking daily inspiration and guidance, you can follow me on Facebook at Widow 180, the community, on YouTube at Widow 180, the channel, and on Instagram at Widow 180. If you're interested in more grief and widowhood resources, including our latest freebie, How to Get Your Life Back Together After Loss, a 10-step checklist, head over to www.widow180.com forward slash freebie. That's www.widow180.com forward slash freebie.